Yo, with Fee Wong and Stanley Leong. And thank you for joining us on Work It on CNA 938. So we hope that you do have time to catch some uh, TV shows because there are some great ones uh, on Channel 5, on CNA. Now, CNA's new business reality show, The Big Spark, it premiered this month and it features 24 startups from Southeast Asia. Over eight episodes, they will be whittled down to the best of the best to win that coveted seed funding worth... A million dollars. Now, there are two episodes already for you to catch, and it's an exciting journey so far, seeing contestants pitch their groundbreaking ideas to a panel of esteemed judges. And over the past weeks, we've been speaking to numerous guest judges on the show to get their take on the entrepreneurship scene here in Singapore. So what does it take to survive and thrive in a high-pressure environment when cameras are rolling uh, and off? Yeah, that's right. To tell us more, we have Ragulan Pathi, who is Vice President for Asia Pacific at Circle and guest judge on The Big Spark. Ragulan, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me today. Our pleasure. Now, for our listeners who may not be familiar, um, give us a little bit more background as to the organization that you're VP of uh, Circle. Tell us a bit more about the work at Circle, what you do. Sure. Um, my name is Ragulan. I am the Vice President for Asia Pacific for a company called Circle. For those looking it up, it's circle.com because obviously there's a few other companies called Circle in our region. Mm. Uh, we have, are a 10-year-old um, crypto fintech company. Uh, we're best known for our product USDC, which is uh, the largest regulated stablecoin in the world. Uh, we're regulated here in Singapore as well. Um, and so that, that is the, our, our biggest product, but we also have a suite of Web3 services products, which helps uh, anything from developers all the way through to enterprises to build uh, Web3 products using the services that we put together, similar to how cloud providers have provided it traditionally for Web2 as well. Mm. Um, so that's a little bit about our company. We have been in Asia for a few years um, uh, and uh, have a decent presence here with the HQ here in Singapore, which um, myself and the team has grown. And uh, yeah, excited to talk to, talk to you a little bit more about um, all things uh, crypto and stable coins today. Yeah. Correct. Now, well, what we've heard, you know, all heard about the cryptocurrency, not many know that it only started out in 2009, just about 15 years ago. Now, how much has the crypto world grown and how does a Circle distinguish itself from other fintech firms? Yes, absolutely. So uh, it started off obviously with Bitcoin, which is the most famous uh, of the lot, I guess. Um, today, the crypto industry as a whole has a market cap nearly of $2 trillion. So it's no longer uh, something so small. And many would have watched uh, things such as the, uh, the Bitcoin ETFs in the US, which has sort of brought crypto into the mainstream. For us as a company, we're very focused on the utility value of crypto. Most people have, um, some people may have a positive or negative view of crypto, depending on some of the speculative nature of some of it. We're very focused on utility. So a stable coin really is, uh, for us with USDC, it's one for one to the US dollar at all times. Um, and it, it's effectively a, a US dollar uh, on the blockchain. So it makes it very easy for people who hold it in their wallet to send it to anyone else in the world. Um, and that person receiving a USDC can know for sure that they can at any time swap it for one US dollar uh, back for one US dollar as well. Mm -hmm. So in that way, you can think of it more as a, us. in many ways, many people think of us uh, almost more, a bit more like a fintech 
uh, rather than a traditional cryptocurrency. It doesn't the USDC is always fixed to a dollar that doesn't move around per se. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, crypto, of course, uh, many many will be familiar, and, and it has been described as you know volatile um, asset class as well. Uh, Singapore, though, quite advanced. We have uh, kind of less left cash behind as king. Uh, digital payments, uh, pretty very very familiar, I suppose, to ordinary Singaporeans. But there still uh, can be resistance towards, say, cryptocurrency, digital dollars as as that next generation currency. So, how do you at Circle and your team help clients take that that leap of faith? To, to look at cryptocurrency as a possible um, way to to get more savvy. Yes, absolutely. So, if you uh, firstly, the regulator here and um, and the government generally has done a great job of uh, inviting in a lot of companies. So, Singapore today is definitely a centre globally for the crypto industry. Uh, some of the most famous firms are here. They've also done a good job of providing. Uh, some clear regulations so many companies can actually get regulated and do this in a professional way um, whilst keeping the public safe um, from, you know, the, the downsides, of, shall we say, of, of crypto. Yeah. Um, in terms of our platform, um, we think that one of the greatest innovations with crypto is just the speed at which you can move money around. Um, the blockchain is largely decentralized and global. And it's today, it still takes some time to move money. Um, for example, if uh, uh, if you're moving money between each other using PayNow, for example, in Singapore, it's less of an issue. Um, we all know um, you can send it by telephone number. But if you were to try to send it in US dollars uh, between here and, say, London, or, um, for example, even as simple as sending money between Singapore um, and a neighbor such as such as Thailand or, or, or Indonesia or other places, you're going to uh, um, experience two things. One is that uh, the actual process is often slow. It's usually a minimum of one day, but sometimes it can take three days or even longer, you know, a week mm-hmm. and so forth. The second thing is that there's going to be a gap, quite a large gap in the conversions as well. And these are two things where crypto is extremely efficient at reducing. <clears throat> if you send someone money wallet to wallet it's often done within seconds definitely within a minute or two um and often the the gap between the exchange rates is is very very low and so these are two great efficiencies that um that a lot of providers especially stablecoin providers such as ourselves are helping facilitate Um, and there's many use cases where people have to move money around the world quicker they can't wait a matter of days whether you're a trading uh, entity um, uh, whether you're doing, you know, for example, financial services firm, whether you're a trading entity, whether you're a large enterprise, but often it's just people want to send money to their family and friends and they don't want to wait for days and they don't want to pay mm. a huge cost behind it. Um, in Singapore, we're blessed with good financial infrastructure, so it's not so bad, but we're also out of Singapore helping a lot of companies in Asia and uh, a lot in other parts of Asia, the banking infrastructure is not as good and then the benefits of crypto are even greater. Um, in those countries as well, especially here in Southeast Asia. Yeah, it's it's so different one market to the next, even though we may be in the same region. Yes, exactly. Right, exactly. and in your career path, you've taken many twists and turns. You were in the finance space, a founder, uh, worked in Amazon, Facebook, and even headed one of the most famous uh, companies in the pandemic, Zoom, right? And what do you think your wealth of experience can bring to the table as a guest judge on The Big Spark? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been a founder and I'm also quite a, a prolific seed investor personally. Um, I also have 
really entered a lot of these companies as they first entered Asia, especially, and, and seen um, companies go from nothing to, to grow to become big. Um, you know, uh, and, and so I think for me personally, I think it's a lot around the go-to-market model. Um, often when companies are, are, work, are starting as a startup, one of the hardest things is like you can get the ideas and you can get the team together, um, but execution is everything. And sometimes, uh, especially with these startups, they look at a market and they think, okay, well, the Asia has 4 billion people. And what if we sell to 4 billion people? And you only have limited resources. So you have to very carefully think about how you're going to actually um, acquire the first customers and then scale your business. Mm. And I think that's where in particular, I, I try to advise the companies on how to go through that. Mm. I'm curious as to what brought you to this part of the world, because I don't, I don't believe just based on hearing you <laughs> that, that you're from this part of the world. Um, and you probably worked in Silicon Valley and, and some of the other big uh, cities around the world as well. So what brought you to Singapore? Is it because of that huge amount of, talent and, and the market uh, potential there is, and also, of course, a lot of tech talent and, and great ideas that are being sparked from this region? Um, I would like to say it was chicken rice, but um, I'm most serious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Sri Lankan originally. I moved to Australia when I was five. Um, I grew up in Australia until I was 20, mm. and I spent about 20 odd years out of Sri Lanka, uh, out of Australia now. Yeah. Um, I've, in the U- I've actually lived in about close to 10 different cities in my life. Wow. But I've been in Singapore for 11 years now oh. and uh, I'm not moving. So um, in fact, I've been in the same condo for the whole 11 years. <laughs> and uh, so, so I'm very much stuck in Singapore. And I think the thing is that honestly, when I first came to Singapore, the and this speaks to sort of where we are now, the ecosystem for uh, tech was, um, you know, traditional companies like HP and IBM, but that new wave of companies like Amazon and Facebook, let alone Grab, um, and, and C Group and others wasn't there yet. And I, really in the last 11 years, we've seen it develop. Singapore is definitely the center of uh, tech now for Asia. Um, most HQs are based in Singapore. And um, I think what we're seeing now is that we're seeing the first wave of people who've worked at these companies now coming out and starting their own companies. Maybe they've made a bit of money from an exit. Um, you know, maybe they've gained the experience, but it's the maturing of the, of Singapore into this next wave of like lots of startups, which actually has been here to be frank for many years now. Um, but I think like we, we're hitting our strides and you're going to see a lot more companies founded here in Singapore, both for the Singapore market as well as the Southeast Asia market itself. And I'm still always very bullish on, on Singapore. Um, you know, so I'm going to be here for a while still. I'm not going to be moving around so much. We love you. Stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're a guest judge on The Big Spark. So was filming nerve wracking for you? Ever done any TV prior to The Big Spark? Um, I, I do a fair amount of media and so it wasn't so bad. And the, my fellow, um, actually there's a person from Zoom who was a colleague of mine who was another guest judge, judge at the same time. And then, um, you know, my fellow panelists were quite good. I think it was more nerve wracking for some of the, um, uh, people who were coming on and presenting, you know, it's quite a big process, you know, on TV and you don't want to, you don't want to mess it up. But I would say that they all did a really good job with some very, very different ideas and different markets that we're entering into. Mm. Um, so, so not so bad for me. I think we, uh, between the judges, we had to keep it a little bit lively. I think um, we had to make sure that we didn't 
individually talked too much or we were saying things that were relevant. Sometimes I think the producer would have a word to us to say, you know, don't get into too much depth of detail like the audience. <laughs> may not care. You've got to keep this lively. So it's a little bit more of that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And I think uh, generally, um, you know, it's just great to see so many young entrepreneurs, or not all young, by the way, like some more mature entrepreneurs as well, having a go. Mm. Um, and, and, the, and the show has seemingly been very, very popular in the mm. first few episodes. Yeah, um, did, did the judges, I mean, were you guys told to put on a certain persona? I mean, if it's like the Shark Tank or anything, you, like one of the other, you know, competitions, <laughs> sometimes you, you really got the meanies among the judges. Um, those are really like, we, no nonsense. We were, we were told not to be mean. And I don't think <laughs> the persona of, of us, um, you know, we definitely challenged the uh, the contestants and around there, whether it's their business model or their product or how they're building a team. But um, generally you can think of us as like, uh, we're not trying to create that environment of hostility towards the contestants mm. and rather being more constructive with them. Um, but we still were very critical about, you know, what, whether their plans were going to work out and we still ask hard questions. That's for sure. Now, you've mentioned that we have a good ecosystem here in Singapore for entrepreneurship, but it, is there any, um, you know, things that we can further tweak to make it even more, to run uh, more efficiently and effectively to promote entrepreneurship? Um, Singapore is uh, becoming a little bit of a victim of its own success. I don't wish not to touch on uh, sensitive topics, but I think one of the hard things for entrepreneurs is just the cost of living now has increased. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that is one challenging piece, but most entrepreneurs these days are pretty efficient in terms of uh, maybe splitting their time between Singapore and somewhere else to manage their personal cost of living whilst they get the startup going. Um, but, you know, that's not different to London or New York or Silicon Valley or anywhere else. It's nothing to do with Singapore's particular cost of living. Um, I think the other thing also is, is that um, it just, you know, um, I think I, I think as for Singapore, it's just we started with like being able to successfully um, finance like tech companies, but now it's interesting watching Singapore finance other types of companies such as food tech um, yeah. or real estate or other things which um, you know are, are slightly different. And in many ways, that could be our and and, crypt, and crypto companies as well, to be frank. And so, in many ways, that could maybe be our advantage rather than just being. A, a place that copies Silicon Valley, um, you know, for, you know, albeit we're doing an extremely good job of it, but instead of just copying them, I think um, having industries which we can uh, do very well with. Um, I see, for example, a lot of really good like uh, uh, shipping technology companies. Obviously, being a center for shipping, one of the big centers for shipping in the world, we're in a in a in an advantageous place to do that. Um, I'm seeing interesting companies in mining tech. And these are companies that wouldn't necessarily form in Silicon Valley because they don't traditionally have these industries. Mm, that's right. Um, or they may not have a big food problem, for example. Singapore doesn't grow as much food, so it has a food problem to solve. Yeah. So I think what we're seeing is that we're starting to build companies for the problems that we have here in Asia, which need fixing. And I think that's what's very exciting about the next leg of entrepreneurship in in asia and, and singapore in particular mm, tech is definitely in tech is trending tech is going to be the future i've also personally noticed that 
every new company that's uh, you know uh, in the market usually would call themselves or describe themselves as being a tech company in shipping or tech company in real estate, a tech company in medical. And they don't call themselves a medical company anymore, and they're not a real estate company. They're always a tech company. What do you what do you make of this? Uh, uh, is this just a trendy thing to call themselves a tech company these days? Um, look, I think there's two parts in the entrepreneurship uh, journey which uh, allows you to call you a, yourself a tech company. The first thing, obviously, is that most people are looking at the valuations and they're like saying, hey, if I call myself X versus if I call myself a tech company, I'm going to get a much bigger valuation. Um, but I think also the nature of venture capitalists is that they're going for maybe not absolute moonshots, you know, but um, but they're looking for to build very, very large businesses and they're willing to invest money knowing that the chance of failure is extremely high. Versus the traditional mindset is you put in money and your risk of failure is low and your return is low. Versus the venture capitalists will put in money and they're okay with 90% failing um, and you're getting zero or 90%, but the one that succeeds has to be very, very big, mm. you know? Mm. Um, the other thing also is just like, uh, you know, the whole saying is that software is eating the world, um, you know, and, and tech is generally like being able to modernize many things that, um, where traditionally older industries like shipping and property and others are getting modernized these days by just use, the use of technology and software uh, and the internet as well. Yeah. Um, so and, and, and crypto and, and you know, crypto is, is another part of that as well. Mm. Crypto is playing its own part in terms of that Web3 evolution as well. Yeah, it's, it's just so exciting now uh, with tech, you know, in every different, every single sector uh, across industries. Uh, Raghulan, thank you so much for making time to speak with us. I guess we just have to catch you on the big spark. Uh, do you know which episodes you'll be featured on? Um, I forget the episode number to hand, but <laughs> I think it's coming up and I know which ones I I just guessed it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, uh, yeah. hopefully the editor's cut of me is positive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will be. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Raghulan Pathy, who is Vice President for Asia Pacific at Circle and he is guest judging on The Big Spark and you can witness those epic battles of ideas at startups from all over Southeast Asia. Fight it out on The Big Spark. New episodes come out every Friday, 7pm on CNA. Thank you, Raghulan, for being our guest today. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Cheers. 